I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Big Vets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. This is the Week 13 College Football Betting Preview presented by BetMGM. I'm Stucky, and joining me, as always, is Colin Wilson. Coming to you early. It's Thanksgiving week, so we're knocking this out on a Tuesday night, the final regular season week of the year. How are we here already? Happy Thanksgiving, gamblers. We're thankful for you we are here to make the drive to your family more tolerable we are here in case you want to escape your family go have a cigarette avoid the really bad food that your aunt-in-law makes listen to our podcast hopefully we can provide something better than the pickle loaf or the spruce potatoes or i don't know maybe there's no alcohol and you're stuck with a bills bet that's losing i don't know we're here for you I will. I will have good food. I know that my wife will be cooking for her family, ev- almost everything. She's a phenomenal cook, and I'll get a lot of it stays here and a lot of the leftovers. But I, I, uh, I go over and see them for about five minutes, and then I will make my way back to the couch. And uh, I, I have to work. I'm doing NFL stuff, so I, and I'll be on the couch and and eventually get some get some eggnog and uh, just go on the couch. And it's going to be a great day. It's going to be some NFL, some egg bowl which we'll talk about here in just a second. We'll get to the marquee games, a lot of meaningful games this weekend. We'll do a quick rundown where we'll go through every conference and just highlight a game or two and then just give you a quick brief one or two sentences about what's going on in that e- each conference that you should be aware of. The final trash of the season, I think. And then obviously we will close things out with uh, our favorite bets, favorite underdogs, and favorite Moneyline Parlay. So let's get right into it. Let's kick things off with Thursday night lights. So we'll start with the Egg Bowl on Thursday night. It is the only college football game prior to Friday this week. A Thanksgiving tradition unlike any other. Shenanigans, peeing. There might be some pee gestures in the end zone with the legs up and suspensions that follow. You never know what you're going to get in the Egg Bowl. Mississippi, a two-and-a-half-point home favorite, over-under 58-and-a-half, 59. 
Uh, I'm actually leading the mis- leaning towards Mississippi State, but I always do, so that doesn't mean much. Uh, and Leach on on Thanksgiving, this won't be a big bet for me, regardless. But I know that you like Ole Miss and you like the under, uh, so make your case for those folks who will be on their couch tuning in, trying to avoid sleep, and hopefully this game can keep them entertained enough not to. I, I love the under, and you know I like Ole Miss in this game. I don't like the fact the point spread has gone against where I bet it, but I think a lot of that has to do with Lane Kiffin. Uh, we got some TV guy down there reporting that he's leaving, and it just isn't verified. It's not confirmed. I mean, we all are getting little tidbits of information that Lane Kiffin is gone. And Lane, of course, you know, takes offense to it, doing some late-night reading. Dan Mullen's jumping in his mentions. And then he calls out this TV guy. And, like, I think it's great by Lane that tells his players, like, I'm here for you. I'm here through the end of the season. And don't listen to all these rumors. So I think the locker room is going to fight for Lane, right? Because if Lane's going to come out and not dismiss these rumors, then the locker room is not going to play for him. So I think you're going to get a fully motivated Ole Miss team thinking their head coach is still going to be there. And this is the Egg Bowl, right? I mean, you show up to fight. You don't show up to play here. You show up to fight in the Egg Bowl. The Rebels have two defensive backs that are great in the top 200 in coverage defenders. You've got to have that against Mississippi State. And, you know, DeAndre Prince has been a quality cornerback this season. He's forced seven pass breakups in a zone-heavy scheme. So they're going to start try to stop that air raid, that dink and dunk offense that Mississippi State's going to try to play. But Mississippi State... You know, they're just going to give up too many explosives to the Ole Miss running backs. That has been a problem for them the entire season. Uh, I think the scoring is going to be light. I think it's going to be slow. I think this is a grudge match of a battle and a rivalry game. But there's just too much in the advanced stats to say that Ole Miss is going to have success running. Ole Miss is going to have the advantage on third downs. And that's enough for me to go ahead and make a bet on a number that I think should be four and a half. That's why I took it right on open. So I get it. I know why Mississippi State is steaming down. Uh, and and listen, it's a fragile state for Ole Miss. They could players could all of a sudden decide we know coach is leaving and, and fuck this, right? We don't know. So uh I get it, but from an X's and O's standpoint, Ole Miss to me has the advantage. I, I could see you're covered from there. From a numbers perspective, I make it just like a, a coin flip, but I've been lower than the market on Mississippi State, and I mean higher than the market on Mississippi State, lower on Ole Miss all year. So it's gonna be nothing big for me on Thursday night, but I'll definitely have uh I'll dabble a little bit. Maybe I, I don't mind the under either. All right, let's move on to – let's just go right into our marquee games of the weekend. These will span across Friday and Saturday. It's another fabulous weekend of college football. Let's check out the marquee matchups we'll all end up betting for Week 13. Okay, let's start on Friday, and let's go to the AAC. We got a big one. This is at noon on ABC, Tulane at Cincy. Cincy is a two-point home favorite over under 46 and a half. The winner of this game will host the AAC championship game, hosting UCF, I would imagine. Neither here nor there. Let's talk about this game. Uh, I I wish I could have I could get a three here, but I really like Tulane. Uh, I mean, I've been low on this, and, and same with you, on the Cincinnati team <clears throat> all season long. And if you look at their body of work, just look at some of – just look at their results. Just take, you know, very basic analysis. Take their schedules and look at who's just won comprehensively week in and week out. And then look at the other team, which is Cincinnati, who is barely, barely scraping by a number of opponents, home and away. 
Also, from a matchup perspective, we talked about Tulane's excellent secondary all season. Since he can't run the ball, the bottom 10 rush success rate, that's not going to get it done against Tulane. I've said this since he's this since he defense has been overrated all year because of all, you know all the talent that they lost. It's very rare for a team in the AAC. I think Tulane gets this done. I'm going to wait to see if this gets up to three. If it doesn't, I'll still be on them. Probably be in my round robin as well. I think Tulane gets it done. Uh, do you agree? Yeah, I think Tulane's going to be the one that hosts the AAC championship. Uh, I mean. Our conclusion from the UCF game uh, with Tulane is that, you know, Tulane can't defend the run, but they're still an excellent against the pass, and they're currently fifth in coverage grading. So that didn't work out against Central Florida, but Cincinnati is 53% pass plays for Ben Bryant. Ben Bryant, not the best quarterback uh, in, in the conference, but they're rushing. really run. He's not like a, he's not like a Plumlee that's going to – Plumlee ran for a 180 against yeah. uh, Tulane. That was their issue. Yeah, and, and the rush offense for Cincinnati is 118th in success rate. So they cannot attack Tulane where Tulane is the weakest on defense. Ben Bryan has pulled explosives in the passing games and standard downs, but Tulane dominates that down and distance, and they dominate in, in pass explosiveness. So, you know, Cincinnati's weakness on defense, turn to the other side, Cincinnati's weakness on defense is against the pass. So Michael Pratt just completed nine passes against SMU with three touchdowns. That's like the most efficient box score I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it's a big penalty difference here. Tulane's eighth in the nation in flags. Cincinnati's 125th. To me, the number is depressed at two. I think it should be a little bit higher, but at this point, I would bet the money line. I think Tulane wins this game outright. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. Let's go green wave, roll wave. Uh, all right, let's move on to the second game. It's the game. Michigan, Ohio State. Ohio State will host Michigan here. Seven, seven and a half point favorite at home trying to avenge that loss last year of course the winner will win the big 10 east division and go to the big 10 championship game and have the inside track to a college football playoff berth i uh will tell you and by the way over unders 56 has come down from 60 and a half i have struggled with this game all week and i've struggled with both teams I faded both last week, smaller, just because I just don't, still don't feel like I have a handle on either in, in pretty good spots, which worked out. But Blake Corm, the Michigan running back, is he going to play? I mean, when he's on the field, he touches the ball 90% of the time. Is He is going to play. Is he fully healthy? That's massive because Michigan's passing game has been going in the wrong direction. It has been extremely inefficient for weeks. Can they attack this Ohio State secondary, which hasn't been tested often, but when they have, they've – you know, by anyone with a pulse, they've given up some yards. Um, and neither team has been tested that much, which is makes it really, you know, because obviously they're so much more talented than everyone else. But given their schedules, it's just not, it's not, we have we usually have more data points of both of these teams by now. On the other side of the ball, it's can Ohio State attack this Michigan secondary through the air? Jackson Smith, the Jigba is not there. We talked about some of the struggles uh, of CJ Stroud that you've mentioned hasn't been as efficient or as explosive as some have thought coming into the year. So I don't know. I feel like there's more questions than answers for, I mean, Michigan also has Donovan Edwards because they're, they're running back. It's a team that needs to run the ball to have success. And can they do it against Ohio state who knows that I'm sure they're going to stack the box here. 
But if Blake Corum's not there and Edwards isn't there, can Michigan keep up with an Ohio State offense that you think is going to put up some points for sure? Marvin Harrison and company. That, so, yeah, I struggle. I'm struggling back and forth, which maybe just means I'm going to pass. Um, I, I think the under makes sense coming down, especially if Corum's banged up. But what do you see here? Break it all down. Yeah, I don't – I'm not struggling to handicap this game. I – we did a deep dive. I've spent most of my little 48 hours to get ready for this week's games. Most of it on this one. Uh, and I very clearly am behind Ohio state here so much to the fact that last week I had a look ahead line of Michigan plus eight. Uh, I was happy uh, at one of my books to buy a half point from seven and a half down to seven and throw three times as much down as what I did last week on Michigan plus eight. I like Ohio state that much. So, and I think there's really a lot of reasons why it's hard to get out and, you know, maybe in written format, it's, it's hard in this limited time we have. So the best I can do is everything Michigan has done to this point is about beefing up that run game. That's all Harbaugh's wanted to do for the last 12 months is beef up that run game so they can beat Ohio state again. And Ryan day was smart about that. The second he lost that game to Michigan last year, he went out and got Jim Knowles just to stop the rush. And so what's happened, if you go deep dive and you go into the film and you watch Ohio State on defense, they're not going to be tricked by anything. Michigan go does so much pre-snap. There's so much motion. They're in pistol. They're in loaded pistol. They're in different schemes. They have linemen pulling what's called a G-scheme pull, a dart pull. That just depends on which way the, the linemen pull. But And Michigan even went out and got Olu Oluwatimi to play center for them in the transfer portal. I mean, he's one of the best centers in the nation. And despite all of this motion, this pistol, and this great running attack that they have, Jim Knowles has perfectly set up this Ohio State defense to, to stop it. So the 4-2-5 has been designed to stop the run. And if you go and watch tape like against Iowa and Penn State, they used heavy motion and pistol formations, and neither of them could get the Ohio State front to get confused, to miscontain assignments. And I think the biggest thing that people don't understand is that Josh Proctor and Ronnie Hickman are the safeties for Iowa State. They are excellent at meeting at the point of attack on the line of scrimmage. When the ball has been run by any team that they've faced, those safeties have been there ASAP. And that was a big difference from last year. That's why they got tore up in the rush game. Yeah, their weakness is against the pass, and I'm just not sure that McCarthy will be able to, based on what we've seen over the past few weeks with those receivers, it's not all McCarthy either. There's been drops. There's been bad routes. You hit the nail on the head. It's It's not all J.J. McCarthy's fault. And so if you go and look at what Ohio State did against quarterbacks that have comparisons to J.J. McCarthy, they've had a ton of success there too. So. You know, from a Michigan team total standpoint, I think they're going to have some problems here. Now, Ohio State has given up a couple of explosives this year, but it's been through the air. So I don't expect that to happen on the ground. If Michigan can't get pressure on C.J. Stroud, he's going to sit back there and pick this zone coverage defense apart. And Stucky, I feel like we're on a record that's broken on repeat because we used to talk about Don Brown and the zone coverage defense and Ohio State would just tear it up. Solve your problems with aggression. Okay? Sit there and go, oh, we're going to read this pull. We're going to run up there. Fuck that. Let's go. Well, if you go and look at Michigan's numbers, they run zone coverage 65% of the time. They don't run man very much. And when they have, they've been lit up. So Michigan runs 65% and only DJ Turner at corner has been good. Marvin Harrison is rated the fourth best wide receiver against man coverage. He's the third best wide receiver against zone. Now, if Michigan's going to go zone, that plays into Ohio State's hand because Emeka Ibuka is the 20th best wide receiver in zone. 
So, like, I don't know what Michigan's going to do. You can play man and get burned, or you can play zone, which is what Ohio State thrives in hitting, and that's all because C.J. Stroud is going to have time to throw the ball. So there's things on both sides of the ball. Like Jim Knowles is hired to stop the run. They're going to do that. Michigan's back in, doesn't have the coverage that, that it takes or the pass rush that needed to get in C.J. Stroud's face. So I'm all about Ohio State here. I don't think Michigan is going to shut down Ohio State. And then from what I've seen, this Michigan passing offense, which is how you have to attack Ohio State, <clears throat> is not going to be able to keep up. All right, let's move on to a game where we'll disagree on. Iowa State at TCU. TCU is a 10, 10.5 point home favorite here against Iowa State. This game is at 4 p.m. Eastern on Fox on Friday. TCU trying to keep their perfect season alive. Look, I took the 10.5 here, and I – look, again, we're just the things we talked about last week, there are – the exhaustion factor, they're playing again. They still haven't had a break. The injuries, they lost their three most important players on offense to injury last week. Duggan is banged up. He's been getting hit every week. We'll see who's healthy enough to play. But also just from a pure, and then from a number standpoint, I've been, I think it's pretty obvious I've been lower on TCU than a lot of people. TCU has won eight of nine. Only one of those games has come by more than 10 points. That's when Davis Pumpkin Bevel had to come in at quarterback for Oklahoma. And then they had to go to Wildcat. They have not won a game by more than 10 points since beating Tarleton State, like in the September 2nd. All of their games are decided by one possession to, to 10. That is it. Meanwhile, Iowa State, who right now I have with the seventh best defense opponent adjusted in the country, is here's what they've, they've lost. They lost by six to Oklahoma State, four to Texas Tech. And most of the time, they are outgaining higher yards per play in all these games. They just shoot themselves in the foot. They have awful, awful special teams, by the way. They will not execute in the red zone. But here are their losses. They lost by four to Texas Tech, six to Oklahoma State. Um, they lost by three at Texas. They lost by one to Kansas State, three to Kansas, seven to Baylor. This, you know, they beat Iowa by three. This team is in every game. They cannot get it done. And by the way, they lost their bowl eligibility last week. You would think, oh, maybe they're flat. I think that works in their favor here. Matt Campbell, who's elite, the number, most profitable against the spread coach in college football, the best 20 years is a double-digit dog. But I think that works in their favor. This is their Super Bowl now. There's no bowl game. There's no postseason. TCU banged up on offense. I think this stays within one possession again. But I know you laid it, so make a case for your, your uh, baby horn frogs. No, the power rating is – I mean, the number's too low. I mean, the, the number should be a little bit higher which is why I hit it from the start. But, uh, you know, and of course, there's a big worry here. Xavier Hutchinson absolutely torched this team, this TCU team, in a blowout victory last year. But now there's Travis Hodges Tomlinson. He's going to draw Hutchinson duties. And, I mean, there's a big height advantage there for Hutchinson. But Hodges Tomlinson has just been a force. Uh, you know, he's been targeted 18 times in the last three games, and he's allowed just five catches. And Iowa State has shut down the explosive play against everyone the best rank of the nation against ground explosives and their 12th and expected points against the pass. So TCU has got to do their best to stay in standard downs and moving the chains, which is really kind of unfamiliar territory for them. They're more of an explosive team, but my problem is Iowa state scoring. Now, unless this game finishes like 17, seven, I could be wrong, but Iowa state just doesn't score any points. I mean, they haven't generated more than 14 points in recent games against Texas tech, Oak state, Oklahoma, 
You know, I mean, this is just I just think this is going to be a tough cover for Iowa State in the fourth quarter. I get it. I I agree that all those things are going to last. But TCU just has this way of wearing on you until you let your guard down, West Virginia. And then they, you know, drop a dime on you with one second left on the clock to give a cover. I, I just I think the power rating is wrong. I think the number is wrong. My power rating is higher. And uh, I'm not sure Iowa State can play a full four quarters. And I don't think they score enough. You just can't come into this game and and not be able to score, which they don't do. Yeah, but I I, I don't know. I did. You said well, that's seventeen seven. Like that's all their games have. They lost ten nine to Kansas State. Like, uh, and I think that this will be an easy cover if TC has all their guys out. Like Quentin Johnson, arguably is the best receiver in the country. He left last week's game, didn't return, another ankle injury. They were without their slot receiver, and then they were without. Andre Miller, he got hurt and never came back. He's rushed for 1,200 yards. You take those three guys out of the offense, this is not the Baylor defense. This is a top 10 defense nationally. Um, and we'll see if TCU just they, – they won a, another game at the like at the like on the last play. They've played like 10 weeks in a row all these huge games. Can they get up again? We'll see. This is Iowa State Super Bowl. Uh, should be an interesting one. All right, let's move on to Saturday. Let's talk the a little. Yeah, let's talk a little Iron Bowl. By the way, this game used to be played in Birmingham, which is like famous for its steel, which is why how it got its nickname, the Iron Bowl. Now they rotate stadiums. Alabama shade over a three touchdown favorite here. Well, look, the first thing it was great to see our players happy and excited to be celebrating enthusiasm and togetherness as a team. Really good to see the players happy because they were happy that they had put something in something and got up with a result. I, I mean, Auburn maybe could go to a bowl. I'm hearing they're going to go to the Birmingham Bowl anyway, uh, even if they lose, if there's not enough teams. But uh, this game was a thriller last year. Auburn took it to multiple overtimes as over a three-touchdown underdog. Can they do it again? Like, there's there's cracks in this Alabama team, but will Alabama just say, hey, you're one-dimensional, you can't throw it, are they going to be able to shut them down? Does the Cadillac magic end on the road? How do you see this playing out? Well, I mean, there's a lot of injury news, especially on the Alabama side. Jameer Gibbs returned to practice yesterday, uh, yesterday being Monday. Uh, Eli Ricks has cleared concussion protocol, so you expect them to play, but Cameron Latou is still dealing with a twisted ankle. And left tagger Tyler Steen, the the the, the transfer came uh, came in. He was injured against Austin P. So I don't know what Alabama was going to do at the left tackle position. And there's a lot of pro prospects here, and, and you don't know like is this the last game they're ever going to play? Uh, what is their mindset going into the Iron Bowl? And that's Bryce Young, Will Anderson, Jordan Battle, Brian Branch, Malachi Moore. Is is a lot? Of, I mean, a lot of last game stuff going on here for Alabama. So it's kind of hard to predict like where their head headspace is at. Uh, is this a come together moment or is this a get it done and move on kind of thing? But listen, Auburn has won, you know, two straight after going to uh, after going to overtime with Mississippi State at a 13 10 win over Texas A&M tank went for 121 yards. There's a lot of sharp money on Western Kentucky last week uh, that liked them, which I couldn't understand because Auburn has a great secondary. Uh, and they eventually won that game 41 to 17 and tank and Robbie Ashford combined for 212 rushing yards. So I think what you want to do is go and look at what has Alabama done against a combination like Robbie Ashford and tank Bigsby Jackson dart had just 35 yards. Quinshawn Judkins did all the damage for Ole Miss. Jaden Daniels might be the best comp to Robbie Ashford. He had 85 yards on the ground. 
I mean, LSU won that game because of Jaden Daniels' play. And then you look at Hooker, uh, Hendon Hooker had 56 yards. He extended a lot of drives. Not really the same as Robbie Ashford. But listen, who's going to run the ball for Alabama? Trey Sanders just got in the portal. Jameer Gibbs is hurt. And that's how you have to attack Auburn. Yeah. Their run defense is bad. And if if Alabama doesn't have that, and then Bryce Young, who's I think is still a little hurt, probably not willing to really run all over the field here in a game that's uh, maybe like the last – uh, with the draft coming up. Um, and I think the number's already inflated. I think it's more Cadillac magic. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if they're going to win. I'm not going to say oh, I'm saying I'm saying to cover, to cover. Yeah, to cover. I definitely, yeah, to cover. Like it. Um, yeah, this Alabama team just, it's not, there's holes. Like, even if you look at their run defense, it's like uh, the line yards, the offensive line. Like, nothing is jumping off the page. And look at all the spots this year. It's like, the Texas A&M game, that's a slam spot for Saban. Nah, they won 24-20 at home. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, they lose at LSU outright. Then, you know, Ole Miss should be uh, coming off the LSU loss. Nah, don't cover again. Um, like, the, over and over again this year, they are just – there's there's just issues on this roster. The, the lack um, of Bosa pass has, has – I mean – we're, when we go into 2023 season, if they do not fix a lack of explosive passing on offense, then it's just going to be more of the same for Alabama. All right. Before we continue, as a reminder, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. So kick off the new pro football season with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION200, and your first wager is risk-free, up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana. Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 years or older to wager, 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789 or 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states were prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right, let's move on to another game with massive cultural playoff implications. Notre Dame at USC. USC's already locked into the Pac-12 championship game. We'll get to who they might play in just a second here. USC's a five-point home favorite here. Uh, for me, it's uh, it's the Irish. It's 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 always has been the Irish. It always will be the Irish in this game. Uh, I've loved Notre Dame as a dog all year. Not changing my tune now. How I think this game plays out. Number one, I make this game like right around three. Right. And catching five. And I also think it's a pretty good matchup. And then I also have, okay, Notre Dame's been one of the unluckiest teams in the country in turnovers. And we have USC, who once again won by three last week, gets three interceptions from DTR. Those bounces are still out there. Maybe they don't come, but there's a better chance they're going to come than not. But I think this game plays out similar to how Oregon State did. And 
Um, Notre Dame's offensive line can control the game. They can control the clock. They can move the sticks. They also have a much better secondary than UCLA was able to put out there. And they can kind of just grind this game down. You know, UCLA wants to, wants to get in the shootouts too, just like USC. Um, so all the pressures on USC here, Notre Dame has thrived in this role all year. And I think from a stylistic standpoint, they're going to make this game uncomfortable for USC. And just like most USC competent opponents, they should be able to go up and down the field. US, UCLA, even with three picks, scored 45 points. I don't think it's going to be that high scoring. Uh, I like Notre Dame here. I think this ends up being like who has the ball last. So I'll happily take the five in a game. I make like right around three in a good stylistic matchup. Yeah, it's, it's a game I make four and a half, and it's kind of sitting in a dead zone, so I'm, I haven't touched it yet. But Notre Dame is the side that Colin wants, absolutely. When you look at what UCLA did to USC, they have a tight end, Michael Aziki. I mean, he's got like 30 catches in his entire career at UCLA. He had three touchdowns against USC. So then when you look at that and you say, wow, they gave up three touchdowns to a tight end, what is Michael Mayer going to do to this USC defense if some throwaway tight end for the Bruins is scoring three touchdowns? Uh, Notre Dame's going to run the ball too. Audric Estime has just been running away with the job. Used to be a three-headed uh, monster there in the running back, but now it's all his. Two TDs against Boston College. I think he was pulled because the game was out of hand. But he's averaging 3.5 yards after contact. And, you know, where Notre Dame differs from USC is cl- uh, from UCLA is clock management. They can have sustained drives that end in points, just, you know, drain clock. And USC's defense is 118th in defensive finishing drives. Uh, you know, UCLA just didn't capitalize on this kind of stuff. And then I said this last week, you know, it was the reason why we like UCLA so much is because the only play that <laughs> – USC has is the flush Caleb Williams outside the pocket, let him scramble and hit shots downfield. And Notre Dame is 17th in a pass rush. So that advantage that UCLA had last week, Notre Dame's going to have it too. They're going to flush Caleb Williams from the pocket frequently. Now you have to go and look at what Notre Dame has done against comparable quarterbacks to see if they maintained assignments downfield, which UCLA could not do. Garrett Schrader and DJU kind of fit the same mold that Notre Dame has faced. DJ had 191 yards in the air, but just 23 on the ground. Schrader was hurt after going five of 14 passing. So it's a little tough to diagnose that, but there is something to say that, you know, Notre Dame has done well, at least against comparable quarterbacks and not letting them have explosive plays and touchdowns. There is a, and I think what really makes this bet for Notre Dame, there's just a monster difference in attention to details and fundamentals, special teams, USC 126, Notre Dame 23rd. Penalties, Notre Dame 23rd, USC outside the top 100. There's just a big difference in a lot of areas in here, and I can expect Michael Mayer to have at least three touchdowns. That's what uh, the UCLA throwaway tight ends have in that. Can't imagine what Notre Dame's going to do. Uh, all right, one final game here, Marky Gates, before we get to the rundown. Oregon, Oregon State, the Civil War. This will be played in Corvallis. Oregon wins. In the Pac-12 title. If they lose, and they'll play USC. If they lose and Washington loses, they're in. The way Washington, by the way, gets in, we'll get to them in a second, is they have to win, Oregon has to lose, and either Cal beats UCLA or Colorado beats Utah. Utah can get in if they beat Colorado, Oregon loses, Washington wins, and UCLA wins. So UCLA is eliminated, but that UCLA... Cal game matters, uh, depending on what happens. 
Um, so obviously this game is massive. Oregon is a, I think they're still sitting at around what a three, three and a half point favorite here. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, I, I saw that you take you took Oregon State. There are still questions about Bo Nix's health. When I look at this from a matchup perspective, I'm curious to get your thoughts. It does remind me a bit of last week. Just from a stylistic perspective, it's like a how you know they're they're Oregon State's a physical team, West Coast offense. They run a lot of power sets. Oregon might be more equipped to defend that, which they you know they did a good job of doing last week. They're not really great on the outside defending explosive receivers. But Oregon State, their weakness is their rush defense. And you saw something last week that I don't know if we're going to get this week. And they asked Dan Lanning about it because Bo Nix couldn't really run. We also don't know how healthy he's going to be still. But they said, are we going to get more diverse play calling? And he was just like, I, I don't know. I, I can't tell you much. Um, so it's a really interesting matchup. The spot screams Oregon State. How healthy is Bo Nix? But – from you know, instead of like USC or Washington, this you know Oregon State kind of profile similar to Utah, like from a stylistic standpoint. So does that make this easier for Oregon uh, to defend? What are, what are your thoughts here? Well, yeah, you're right about Bonex. Bonex was very open with reporters uh, uh, Tuesday after practice, saying his ankle injury is doing great. He'll be good to go against Oregon State. And yes, Lanning was. Lanning wasn't giving much about if there's going to be run plays, but to be honest, he might not actually know, right? Bonix talked a lot about how he's had broken ankles, bruised ankles, twisted ankles, and he's had a lot of experience in the ankle department, and he's going to be good to go. So we'll see if he's able to run. The Beavers are undefeated against the spread in Reeser Stadium, which is hilarious because it's missing half their their seating. The current bleachers only seat 25,000. They're doing some reconstruction, so maybe they shouldn't change it in Corvallis. Uh so, you know, Nix was pretty complimentary to the Beavers' coverage scheme. Plenty of zone, the ability to take away the underneath routes, uh, and the Ducks' offense may just come down to can Nix extend plays with his legs. If the answer is no, then the Beavers have a chance to win this game. If the answer is yes, then it's a completely different handicap. But there are big advantages for Oregon State from a rushing perspective. Now, we've said this before, Oregon can't stop anybody, right? And freshman Damian Martinez for Oregon State is now the lead back after sharing the job with Deshaun Fenwick and Jam Griffin earlier this year, Martinez is an animal. Five straight games over 100 yards, three and a half uh, a carry after contact. Uh, he's created 37 missed tackles. And Oregon State's one of the best teams in the nation early downs because of the rush. That's where Oregon's defense really struggles. They're 80th in standard down success rate. So if Oregon State, gosh, sounds like we're talking about USC again. Oregon State can 
not have any turnovers, keep the chains moving on early downs, they'll win the game. Now we all know that the Beavers like to shoot themselves in the foot. So uh, I did buy the three and a half. I figured this will settle at three. Uh, and I'll be watching it live. If Bo Nix is running, if we're in the first quarter and he's out there running all over the place like a madman like he used to be, I'll happily buy out of this. But uh, until we see that, I'm going to roll with the Beavers. Yeah, I probably wanted to bet on this. I would actually lean under, though. I think it might play – it's going to play slower. Oregon State wants to grind it down. Oregon's strength is their run D. I don't think Bo Nix is going to be at 100% mobility – and Oregon State's strength is their secondary. They're not Oregon's not going to hit many explosive plays. I also don't think that Oregon State and their very limited quarterback is really going to exploit the Oregon on the outside. So yeah, I think there's a lot on the line for Oregon. Um, their offensive line isn't fully healthy. I uh, yeah, I think this ends up playing maybe more of a grinder than the market assumes. Similar to maybe how Utah Oregon played out last week. All right, good stuff there. And obviously for Pac-12 Futures, I will be rooting for Oregon. But I actually, like, I, I have a feeling that Oregon State wins it and then Washington State beats Washington and Oregon goes anyway. That's that's my guess on how it plays out. Let's move on. Let's go to the rundown. Let's go through a couple quick conferences here. ACC, everything's settled. It's UNC against Clemson. I think it's a seven and a half. Uh, Clemson's favored by a seven and a half. We'll get to that when Conference championships. The one game I wanted to mention here is NC State at UNC. NC State didn't have MJ Morris last week. They started Ben Finley um, at quarterback. They also were out their center, Grant Gibson, their tight end, Trent Phoenix, their running back, Sumo, um, Peyton Wilson, linebacker, their their corners, Tyler Baker Williams is still out. Just a team headed in the wrong direction. Things aren't great around the locker room either. And then you have UNC, but playing with fire all year. Finally got burned up 17-0 on Georgia Tech. Don't score with the final 35 minutes. <laughs> then lose that game. So very weird game here now. NC State at UNC rivalry game. Is Who's going to get up for this? Is it, I mean, is this just a, a pure stay away? Um, obviously some quarterback uncertainty with NC State. North Carolina doesn't seem capable of really blowing anyone out with that defense. And uh, the offense is a head scratcher last week. Do you see anything there? No, I think the number that's are completely in line with my power ratings. And, and you know, that you mentioned all the injury concerns. And when MJ Morris sat with a lower body in, injury, uh, I would need him to play to even consider making uh, any kind of wager that's Wolfpack related here. So, you know, and then there's there's nothing known on wide receiver Devin Carter, tight end Trent Penix, we, until we know these things. And even the running back, uh, Demi Sumo Karnbe, I mean, like he's not even on the depth chart this week. So to me, it's just yeah, the a- center. Grant Gibson is really good too. Didn't play. Uh, so there's a lot going on. Uh, yeah, I think that's a pure pass too. AAC, we talked about it earlier with Cincy Tulane. I mentioned the games earlier that couldn't matter. Tulsa at Houston, UCF at USF. I will mention USF has a bad run D. We'll see if if Plumlee goes. I mean, USF is a bad everything D. But if you can't stop the run against UCF, you're going to get blown out. USF is at least still fighting. Can Tulsa, does Tulsa still care? Can they slow down Houston here? We don't know if it's going to be Keen or Plumlee. We'll see. Any of those games interest you, or is it it's all about Tulane this weekend? Yeah, it's all about Tulane here. I, I There's no other bets inside the AAC I'll be making. Okay. Let's move on to the Big 12. Baylor at Texas. Let's talk Kansas and Kansas State. These are the two games that matter. TCU, besides the TCU game, but TCU's already in the Big 12 championship. Kansas State beats Kansas. They are in the... Big 12 championship, which I'm sure will make you happy with Kansas State and Baylor 
at Kansas State and TCU futures. But if Kansas could pull off the upset over Kansas State and Texas takes care of business against Baylor, then Texas would actually go, which would make me happy since I have Texas futures. But that's obviously a long shot here. Texas line is, look, Texas is, they look great last week and they'll look great and their advanced metrics look great. And then they'll just, Quinn Ewers will go off the rails for a half. They're very hard to trust, especially as a favorite. Baylor, though, you'd have to think it's, it's a tough spot here. If they're losing the way that they did last week and then it's like, what are you playing for now? You know, you're still playing Texas, but we'll see how they recover from that loss. And then could Kansas's offense, because it's going to be hard for their defense to get many stops here. They're, I think that's the question. Can the Kansas offense keep up with Kansas State to put a scare into them? you see anything in either one or both of these games? Yeah, I like both home teams. I love Texas in this spot. I, they're going to get that TCU taste out of their mouth the last time they played in Austin. It's going to be Bijan Robinson's probably his last game to play there. And, you know, Baylor's going to look to run the ball with Squirrel Williams and Richard Reese as much as possible because they don't want Blake Shapin to have the ball in his hands and long downs. Oh, he looked awful last week. Uh, Baylor is just not producing enough of a pass rush on defense to rattle Quinn Ewers. But then again, Quinn Ewers has been making bad plays without any pressure. So we'll see if he can kind of reverse that trend here. But Texas is 14th in the pass rush. That's going to be enough to get into Blake Shapin's face and cause some turnover-worthy plays. As far as Kansas State, I know the number went down a little bit from what I, I took it at, and that's because of the announcement that Adrian Martinez isn't going to play. We know Jalen Daniels is going to play. Uh, but at the same time, this Kansas defense cannot defend the run whatsoever. 127th in defensive stuff rate, 123rd in defensive line yards, and Deuce Vaughn is just going to eat them up alive. This Kansas team has been dead since they got six wins, and their, their huge defensive edge – uh, player that they got through the transfer portal, Lonnie Phelps, who's the best defensive player on the team. He hasn't even recorded a sack in the last five games. So, you know, I, I mean, uh, Kansas is sleepwalking. Now, maybe they wake up for the big rivalry game. Listen, they better wake up for a bowl because we're probably going to be on. Yeah, I know. Kansas State has to win this game. So it's not like they're going to come out and be like, eh, we don't need this game. They have to win this game or else they fall back into a tiebreaker loss situation with Texas. So Kansas State's not going to come out and be like, oh, we don't need this. It's a rivalry, and they have to have it to go to the Big 12 Championship. So uh, I like Kansas State here. I think the number just came out a little bit because Will Howard's in there instead of Adrian Martinez. What are, you, what are your thoughts on the Kansas State defense overall? They have a great defensive line. They can get pressure on quarterbacks, but if you can get to their second level, you can burn them. That's just not Kansas. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Big 10 is obviously Ohio State-Michigan winner goes to the Big 10 title. And then from there, it's – it's kind of messy. I mean, if Iowa wins, they're going great. We get to see Iowa again in the Big Ten Championship. So if Iowa beats Nebraska, they win the West. If Iowa slips up, Purdue wins it if they win at Indiana. If, bo- if both of them lose and Illinois wins, then Illinois would go. And also Iowa would go if uh, Purdue and Illinois lose. Got all that? Maybe not. But basically, it's probably going to be Iowa if they beat Nebraska. Um they're 10 and a half point favorites. I was asked personally via DM. I don't know why they didn't DM you to ask you, are you betting the over Nebraska, Iowa, and you better not be. No, if I had to make a bet in this game, it would be on Nebraska. Uh, the players are still playing hard for Mickey Joseph and Iowa at the same time. They don't need to cover this game. They just need to win this game. So uh, if I had to play, I'd play Nebraska, but no, no interest in the total this weekend on the Nebraska, Iowa game. Uh, let's see. This is in Kinnick stadium. No, no bad weather for what it's worth. Conference USA is 
pretty straightforward. I'm going to get to UTSA UTEP in my trash, a little teaser. They've clinched a spot. They'll host it again. In They will host the conference championship for the second straight year in the Alamo Dome. They will either play North Texas or Western Kentucky, but North Texas has beat Western Kentucky. So all North Texas has to do is beat Rice at home to punch its ticket. The problem is, if you're thinking of Rice pulling off an upset, is uh, it looks like A.J. Padgett will start at quarterback again. That did not go well last week for Rice, so it might be a tall task. Western Kentucky will try to get everything done on the road at FAU. It's worth noting that FAU has a horrible pass defense, which should work out for Western Kentucky, which obviously runs an air raid and wants to throw it a lot. The interesting thing about the the Conference USA why I wanted to bring this up. And then you have UAB who's fighting for bowl eligibility. Will you get Liddy again for La Tech, who's a corpse? We'll see. But I think the most interesting about Conference USA is two things here. One, if North Texas, if Western Kentucky loses at noon at FAU, North Texas is in. And they play later that day against Rice. So I don't know if they'll sit two guys. Hours. Two hours later, right? So the Western yeah, so, Kentucky game will probably be late third, around the fourth by the time North Texas takes the field. Yeah, so I don't know if they'll, but they'll end up sitting guys in the second half or do they not care because, and I'll get to this in the trash segment with UTEP, last year UTSA was clinched in the same exact spot. They were going for a perfect season too. And they were playing North Texas who blew them out of the water. And then UTSA was just like, ah, we're sitting. They just sat Frank Harris and their coach was like, you know, Frank Harris, the way he plays, he's always banged up. We don't need to risk it. So they clinched home field last week. UTSA might not go full speed here against a UTEP team that's playing to go to a bowl. Minor Nation, what's up? I'll get to that in the trash segment here. But any interest in your Rice boys with Paget or FAU at home against Western Kentucky? Yeah, I have, in the, in USA. I have interest in North Texas, especially if Western Kentucky wins that game against Florida Atlantic, which they should. There's going to be rain possible, 15-mile-an-hour winds blowing through one end zone at, at Pogie Stadium and Denton there. And, you know, North Texas coming off a of bye week. I, I don't know who has a bye week this late in the season, but they're going to come off a of bye week, and they're going to be fresh. Uh, Rice, Charlotte does. Charlotte has a bye. They don't even play there for, again. They're the only team that just doesn't play this week. <laughs> it's interesting scheduling. I'm going to keep my eyes on the Western Kentucky scoreboard and I will play North Texas accordingly. Yeah. I also think uh, UAB boat races La Tech if Liddy starts again. Louisiana Tech cannot run the ball at all, not one bit. Horrific. And they can throw it a little bit when McNeil's in there, but not with Liddy. And they're going against this UAB secondary. I imagine this UAB team's going to be pretty angry. And La Tech's defense is impoverished. So UAB should blow them out. Uh, we'll get to the other. Conference USA game in my trash segment. Uh, let's talk Mac. <clears throat> the Maction at Kent State of Buffalo no longer matters. So if Schley plays, we could play Kent. But it looks like Ohio is going to win. So that game doesn't matter anymore. Mount West, we're going to save your – yeah, we'll save your San Diego State Air Force take for later in the show. Let's talk Pac-12 Washington at Washington State. This game is obviously very important, especially if Oregon loses. Washington can then play to go to the Pac-12 championship. Um, here's, here's how I look at this game. These are First of all, these are two of the most pass-heavy teams in the country. And right now, Washington is a one-and-a-half, uh, anywhere from one-and-a-half to a two-and-a-half point favorite, depending on the book that you look at. 
I don't think it's going to get to three. If it does, I will hit it immediately. But the Washington defense, we know, is just dreadful. Um, they can't stop anybody. They haven't all year. I, I don't think that they're going to stop Washington State here. And on the other side of the ball, this Wash- if I look at this Washington offense, and they've been a different team away from home. You have to give them credit for beating Oregon. But Oregon's secondary is so bad. It was a perfect matchup for them. Like, they just can't stop passing attacks. That's all Washington does. But here are the defenses that Washington's faced and their opponent-adjusted ranks. Portland State, who cares? Kent State outside the top 100. Michigan State, 90th. And by the way, these teams also have awful secondaries and better rush defenses. Washington doesn't run it. Stanford, Colorado, 128th. Arizona State, 125th. Uh, Arizona, outside the top 100. Cal, okay, average. Oregon, average, but again, horrific secondary. Oregon State, top 20, shut them down. And then now you got Washington State, who is – I have a top 15 defense right now. This is the best defense they will have faced by far. They are capable of matching up on the outside. And both teams are very similar. Like, let's pass a lot. I'll take the Washington State defense. I'll take the Washington State spot. And I'll take Washington State to get this done at home. What do you think? Yeah, I completely agree with you. I'm on I'm on Washington State here, but I don't think we're going to get closer to three. I think we're going to get closer to one. Yeah. Uh, so I might as well fire tonight, tonight being Tuesday night. But uh, a lot of good things happening on the defensive side of the ball for Washington State. And, by the way, they play they play better at home than they do on the road. But they are a top. It's a team about Oregon dead to rights. They, yeah. they, they should have beat them. You know, I, I can talk all day about the defense, how great it's been. The offense is what has killed them on the road sometimes because they're 114th and havoc allowed, and they just don't protect the ball and take care of the ball. Now, with that comes exciting plays. I mean, this is still the third best offense in the nation in rush explosiveness. They make highlight plays. <laughs> the problem, uh, the problem is that they don't take care of the ball. So if you're going to bet Washington State, just take it with a great assault that you're going to get some turnovers, some interceptions. And, uh, you know, and that's just a part of uh, being uh, on the Cougs here, but uh, yeah, I'm with you Washington state. And I think I'm going to buy it tonight at two. If you guys are listening to this on holiday, I don't, I think two and a half would draw a lot of sharp money. Yeah. I see like a, a red, a rogue two and a half at FanDuel. That's like two and a half minus one twelve. Yeah. You can't buy it. FanDuel. But I, I agree. I think it's going to go to a pick. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Washington state closes as a one point favorite. But I'm just waiting on that one thing to see if that goes to three. Send some texts off. But I agree that this line's going to come down. All right, let's move on to the SEC, which is already settled. We have LSU at Georgia. Georgia's a 15-and-a-half-point favorite in the SEC championship, which we'll obviously talk about next week. Any initial uh, thoughts on that game? Dual threat quarterbacks that are depending on Georgia to give up their assignment on what Jaden Daniel Jaden Daniels is doing with the zone read. That's not a good combination up against the Georgia defense at all. So I'm I'm uncomfortable taking LSU at any number at this point. But like Ohio State and Michigan, once I deep dive it, maybe I'll change my mind. But right now, I mean, an under is the play, right? With, with the, considering the way LSU is playing defense these days, out of their freaking minds right now with what is it, Harold Perkins? Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it's like Georgia has 11 of those on their defensive side. LSU's got one guy that is a one man wrecking crew. So right now, I bet the under, but I don't know if I could take a point spread with LSU. Yeah. I, I'm not taking, by the way, the spot inside of my trash spots. I'm, they're, they're dead to me. Texas, I bet them once. I faded them six times. 
I'm not betting them here. Are you are you betting them? I think I am. I told you they're going to put a number in the market that's going to draw a lot of it. You know, you know the Texas A&M is going to somehow cover this game. Like Weekman's going to have three touchdowns on bullshit plays, right? LSU is going to look uninterested, and then they'll fire it up in the fourth. But I, come on, you know that the A&M is just going to lay down and die. They might at this point. All right, you should have done your trash segment and let off with them. I mean, it's the right side. I just don't – and I'm usually not like this. I'm usually like, I don't care what I did last week. I'll fire again. Here's a really interesting game. It's SEC-ACC combo. South Carolina at Clemson. Clemson's a 14-and-a-half, 15-point favorite. I guess Clemson – Oregon, actually, I think, still has a chance at the college football playoff, like 1.5%. Obviously, they just tons of chaos. But I guess Clemson thinks they're still alive, so they would want margin. Well – Fun's in the winning. Fun is in the winning. It's hard to win. If you can't have fun winning, why you do it? But do we say is South Carolina and they're both their running backs are questionable? So we'll see if uh, if Marshawn Lloyd or Christian Beal Smith play. But they they kind of just let Rattler go and then he threw all over Tennessee. But we know Tennessee's secondary is really bad. But I I still was shocked that South Carolina was able to do that. Can South Carolina carry any of that over? into this week was that a one-week blip because their passing offense was a corpse the rest of the season uh Clemson has owned this series they've won five straight three by 21 plus can South Carolina scare Clemson here or is this one-way traffic well Nate Wiggins I, I said this I said this on the podcast on Sunday that if teams that face South Carolina if they don't have corners that can win 50-50 balls they're going to get abused by South Carolina Clemson does have a corner, Nate Wiggins, that is good enough to win 50-50 balls. He's one of the highest rated uh, uh, coverage corners on, on PFF. So he's going to be fine. And that's going to cut the you know the field in half, and they could double over on the other side if Spencer Rattler wants to try to do the tip ball drill again. It's like Stanford from like six years ago. But I have to ask, like, where did the South Carolina offense come from? They had less than 300 total yards in recent games against Florida, Missouri, Texas A&M. And I think where Clemson wins this game and covers, I think I'm going to play Clemson, uh, is on the ground. I mean, they can run all day with DJU and, uh, you know, Will Shipley, kill the clock, hog the time of possession. Florida ran for 374 yards on the ground just a couple weeks ago and blew South Carolina out. And I don't see any reason why that's not the Clemson template here. So Clemson is probably going to be a play of mine. Yeah, they're very – very weak in the trenches, which Clemson might be able to exploit. Um, how about Louisville at UK? Uh, I mean, it looks like Malik Cunningham is going to play. I don't know how healthy he's going to be. I And Louisville's defense has been excellent all year. It's one of the most underrated units, I think, at the Power 5 level. They've just been – especially against the pass. Kentucky can't run it. Kentucky's going to shut down the explosive Louisville plays. It's probably gonna be some weather. Why? How? Why did we? Are we gonna get just rinse and repeat? It's gonna be another Kentucky under. The Kentucky unders are just the freest money every single week. I, I know. Finally, the market has come down a little bit. I mean, we're at one over and a half. Uh, one over this year, and it just went by one. a half a point on a last second touchdown by Northern Illinois, who also scored with no time remaining at the end of the first half. That's what it took. Um, so I don't know. I see another under here, but um, there there is definitely some uncertainty with injuries. What do you see here? Same as you. I mean, it's an under game because Kentucky's excellent at tackling, and that's what you have to have against Malik Cunningham. So, you know, I, and I hate to sound like a broken record, but I, until these unders lose, just keep betting them with Kentucky. 
Yeah. Yeah, stoops and unders. You can't really go wrong. Uh, last game, Arkansas at Missouri. Uh, Missouri, three-and-a-half-point home underdog. That's down to three now. They're playing for bowl eligibility. I took some Missouri here. Uh, just the spot. Um, Arkansas, just such emotional games over the past couple of weeks. Locked into a bowl now. I know that they're – unfortunately, Pittman's not going to – write up a whole i know they got you know it's odom's old team but they're not going to do a whole speech for your win total which i know you would like but uh, (laughs) i think the spot favors missouri here so i took over the field goal what are your thoughts on your hogs here Woo pig suey collins talking razorback football I see a lot of advantages for Missouri here. I mean, Brady Brady Cook is going to hit crossing routes, Dominic Lovett and Luther Burden the third, and Arkansas's defense is still struggling to stop the pass. And then Pittman said something interesting. He said Bumper Pool might not play in this game, that he has thought that Bumper Pool has been too injured to play the last four weeks, but he keeps showing up. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I mean, there's just things going on. Like, we, we got a we got a player hopping in the portal, and Pittman, like somebody's brought it up to Pittman at the press conference. He's like, Oh, nobody's told me about that. Oh, well, he just did it. And he's like, okay, well, like the, it, the receiver, what Thompson? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, there's another one, the the joiner kid. Uh oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's why yeah, Pippen at the press conference, like the first time he's ever heard of it was at the press conference. So I there's like I don't know. The 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 communication that was there between the players and the coach last year is just it's not there this year. But you know, Bumper Pool may not play in this game. We'll see. Uh, Missouri's been excellent at limiting the rush, the rush of opponents, and they're going to have to have that against Arkansas. Uh, and they've been one of the top defenses in the nation in passing downs. And I think more importantly, Missouri is sixth in defensive havoc. Where that really comes into play, because Arkansas doesn't turn the ball over and KJ doesn't throw it enough for a lot of PBUs. But where Missouri is going to just wreak havoc is the fact that Arkansas has allowed 70 tackles for loss this season. A lot of people play in the backfield of Arkansas behind that offensive line. And that's a good way to stop Raheem Sanders. So I see a lot of advantages for Missouri here. So I, I bought them to, uh, for those of you that, that followed, I tried to make it as transparent on Twitter as possible. But for those of you that have the win total over at six and a half or seven, I bought Missouri uh, on the spread at four, I would still buy it at three. I would just, whatever money you put into the win total, just put it on the other side of the Missouri plus three, plus three and a half, whatever you can get. And hey, if Arkansas wins by two, you're going to cash both. Uh, but uh, no win totals whatsoever. I would bet Missouri standalone here. Well, root for triple overtime. That, that would work for me too. Uh, yeah. Also, the spot to Missouri motivation, Arkansas coming up two really emotional games. Missouri basically had a bye last week. They also recently switched play callers. Um, which uh, I think could work on their favor here with kind of the element of surprise, not as much on film and uh, obviously an important game. So you'll see probably all the stops for Missouri, like for the, for that staff, it's like getting to a bowl is a, is a big deal for just like your, your future job security. Drinkwitz um, needs it. Drinkwitz yeah. needs it. So we'll see. And he gave up play calling duty. So we'll see. All right. Let's uh, uh one quick one. Sunbelt is uh it's going to be JMU, which I'll get to in a bit. And they're, they can't go to the conference title. They're going to play Coastal Carolina, who's already in. Coastal Carolina is going to play either South Alabama or Troy. If Troy, who beat South Alabama, can simply beat Arkansas State, then Troy will go and face Coastal Carolina, we don't know if Grayson McCall will be ready by then. He's out for this week for Coastal Carolina, their star quarterback. So if Troy beats Arkansas State, they go. They'll play Coastal Carolina in the Sun Belt Championship. 
If Troy loses and South Alabama takes care of business against Old Dominion, then South Alabama will go. If they both lose, Troy will go as a result of the head-to-head. I'll, I'll just get in. I mean, I'll mention it in my favorite favorite later, but I laid it with JMU. I, this is like a Coastal's playing for nothing, and they're playing with their backup quarterback. You cannot run the ball in JMU. So I don't know how they're going to move the ball, and this is like a an FU JMU game. This is a week. You're not going to let us go to a bowl. You're not going to let us go. But they would be playing this game to go to the conference title championship if they were eligible for the postseason. This is like our final home game, our final game. You're not going to let us go. This is like, let's come out and run this up. Uh, I think they blow Coastal out of the water. And Coastal doesn't really care. They're, I mean, they're, they're already dead. But Grayson McCall is not playing here. I think that's going to be a big, big deal. But do you see anything in the other games? South Alabama's laying 16 and Troy's laying 13 and a half on the road at Arc State. You know, you also have Southern Miss is fighting for bowl eligibility. So is Louisiana. App State, Georgia Southern also is for bowl eligibility since App State has two FCS wins. So some semi-interesting storylines in the Sun Belt. Do you see anything that you better are you looking at? Yeah, I, I do like Georgia State in the first half against Marshall. Um, and so, you know, that they, they've been playing well, and then they just – everything explodes in the second half. So I'm not sure what's going on, uh, why Sean Elliott keeps getting these, uh, you know, big blowups in the second half with this team. A lot of turnovers going on there. But, you know, I think that's one thing that I had my eye on. And then the James Madison, I didn't want to really mess with the spread because the spread is so completely overinflated. We're talking – a 10-point swing in the last couple of weeks because Grayson McCall's not there. James Madison is playing the biggest game of the year because FBS, NCA, whatever, won't let them play in a bowl or let them win their division or let them play in the Sun Belt Championship game. Uh, so I think it's one of those things where it's like, is James Madison, if they're up by 40, are they really going to use their last three possessions and just run a fullback dive and take a knee? Shit, no. No. No, yeah, no way. I mean, like, I don't think I'm playing. This yeah, part. I don't care how inflated this number is. I mean, I just wanted under two touch. Like, it was two touch. Like, if it was over two touchdowns, it might get a little dicey for me. But this yeah. is one of those spots where I'm like, I don't care, and I might be wrong. But so Todd Santillo, right, it has been absolutely amazing, ground and through the air. James Madison's top twenty in passing success rate on offense, and Coastal's biggest weakness is they're a bottom ten team against the pass. So this could be points real fast here. Uh, I, I the more I talk, I think I'm gonna bet it down. Let's shove some money across the counter. I want James Madison team total over. Well, that'll work for me too. I I think this is blowout city, and then it's like, it, what's Coastal's motivation here? They don't even like hate JMU. They've never played him or anything. It's like, all right, yeah, we get it. You're kind of pissed. Uh, and they're starting quarterback. <laughs> their stars starting quarterbacks hurt. Like, there's no history here. This is just like they might sit some guys, right? Like to, that are banged up. They got the conference title coming up. Jamie Chadwell is not dumb, you know? I mean, I would sit everybody that's going to play in your conference championship game. I would sit up. Jamie Chadwell is not dumb here. Yep. Uh, all right, let's move on to the final trash, maybe. Maybe in our bowl show I might bring up uh, if some trash gets in. But the final trash segment of the regular season. Mm, what's that smell? It stinks. What do you mean? This trash. The sweet, sweet trash. The trash is a gold mine. It's been a hell of a regular season for the trash. Probably the best that I'll ever have. The trash never does this well, but 
it was enjoyable. And uh, unfortunately, we don't have Club Lit. How's Club Lit not playing the regular final or regular season? We definitely would have been betting them again. Um, the problem is, is you've made this such a hot segment that we're going to have to talk about this shit in week zero yeah. next year. And we're not, we're going to have like barely any information on some Club of these Lit. No, Club Lit's going to be, uh, the, I think, the worst team. Like, so they lose Reynolds. They just had their star receiver enter the transfer portal, Dubose. They're all like, I'm getting out of here. Like, so they're going to have, all they had was like their offense. They're all transferring or graduating. Club Lit is going to be, unbackable trash like it's gonna be umass territory we'll see all right uh this week i got three trash three trash teams one's pending like we'll see i akron at niu backwards plus 10 right now i'm trying to get info on dj irons if he's playing what can akron do they have one thing they have really good receivers or power five transfers he can buy time irons can buy time and get the ball to the receivers their passing game is actually like pretty decent for an Akron team. They can't run the ball at all, at all. I had all, like, not not even, it's embarrassing. But NIU's strength is their run defense. NIU's pass defense and secondary is really bad. On the flip side, NIU, decent running team, that's action, Akron's strength on defense. Some of their pass stats are okay, but that's with Rocky Lombardi. They have, I don't know, I don't know one of their six or seven Italian kids that they bring in, they all, all of Italian names, Cremascola or whoever they bring in. And I'm Italian, that's why I say that. Uh, I, they can't throw the ball. So I think it's a pretty decent matchup for Akron. I also think no one cares in this game, so I'll take the 10 points. But I got to make sure that this undercuffler kid isn't starting because he can't move around. He, like, got thrown out of a game earlier. I don't, I can't find any info on him. He's, like, the backup. I, it's a mess. So Akron, if we can't get club lit, we'll have to bet Akron on the final day. UTEP, Minor Nation, what's up? We're talking Minor Nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Picks up. We're back. We're going to get, and we'll bet you again. That's the trash. We'll have trash segment. The bowl. You win this. We're going bowling at UTSA. UTSA is playing for nothing. Nothing at all. It's not the best matchup on paper, but UTSA showed us last year. They don't really care about this. This is the same exact spot. They're playing a North Texas team that needed the win to become bowl eligible. UTSA already knew they were hosting the conference championship, which they clinched the week before. All happened this year. And then they sat a couple guys. And then Frank Harris, they just said, ah, don't even come back out for the second half. Uh, and North Texas blew them out. Minor Nation, catching over 17. Let's do it. I better hear from you this weekend. I'll be watching. And here's one where I don't show too much value in the line. It's kind of like JMU. But I just don't care. The spot is too good. Vandy plus 14 or better against Tennessee. I, I know that Tennessee still has a lot of talented guys. The look at line was 31, and I know you upgrade Vandy a little bit. I know you have to downgrade Tennessee for giving up a million points to Spencer Rattler. Probably too much of an overreaction here. But Tennessee just went from, oh, my God, we lost Georgia, so we lost the SEC, to, okay, everything broke our way. We're going to the college football playoff. To, holy shit, we just gave up 70 to Spencer Rattler and our season's over? Now you're going to a Vandy team? Is Vandy playing for a bowl? I think Vandy's playing for a bowl or whatever. They're playing to win three. I think they might be. Is Vandy playing for a bowl? Yeah, they are. They've had two. Vandy uh... playing for a bowl and they're trying to win their third straight SEC game. Now, they got a little lucky last week against Florida. Oh, granted, but they got it done and they won out, right? They beat Kentucky the week before. These are two teams in completely different mental states. Now, if Tennessee is like uber focused all week, like, can you imagine this? It'd be very tough, but they're like, Okay, let's go. We're going to go beat Vandy. 
and they come out sharp and crisp with Joe Milton, fine, they could blow Vandy out, but I'll pay to make them prove it. Um, so, yeah, Vandy, that's the trash of the week. Minor Nation, the Zips, and the Doors. Uh, so let me go one by one. UTEP, agree or disagree? Agree. Akron, fact, I, that's an outright spot. That's not just a cover. That's an outright wow. spot. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it also might be looking worth looking like second half. Is, is UTSA might just get some guys some reps and then sit them. Akron? Shit, no. No. Vandy? I think Tennessee's going to roll them. I think Joe Milton's been waiting. It's one or the other. They, they're going to win yeah. by 50 or lose, I think. I mean, Joe Milton is needs a great performance so he can get his ass in the transfer portal and get a good back team, you know? I, I don't think Tennessee's ready to sit down and die. They're 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 either going – maybe you might want to sprinkle some on the money line too if you kind of like Vandy. Because if Tennessee doesn't – it's like, they yeah, they might just show up focused and like it's, hey, it's Vandy and pissed or it's – a complete disaster. And you'll know real anybody. quick. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll know right off the bat. All right. So the agreement is on Minor Nation. Minor Nation, we better hear from you. Um, uh, by the way, group of five guys, make sure you check them out. And uh, we appreciate all of you for listening as always. And we appreciate them. They do a great job as well as our audio and video people on the back end. Before we get out of here, that we do have to go three and out. One, two, three. Let's make it a quick three and out. First down, our favorite, favorite, favorite overdog, as we affectionately call them. I'll kick things off. I'll make it easy. Go to James Madison. Uh, I think it's just a slam spot, an FU game. They're not eligible for the conference championship that they should be playing. This, them versus Coastal would be to decide the division. But they're not eligible. They're not eligible for a bowl. It's all BS. Uh, Coastal Carolina doesn't have Grayson McCall. Don't really care about this game. This is like a important sending off moment for Jamie, who will just, I assume, want to run this up. And Coastal can't run the ball. That's bad news with their backup quarterback against JMU because uh, you can't run the ball against JMU and their backup can't really throw it. So, yeah, this is all Dukes for me. Where are you going? I'm going to go Florida State over Florida. The Seminoles are on fire right now. Four straight wins, four straight covers. They have quietly moved into the top seven of my power ratings. I've kind of took a glance at some other power ratings out there that are respected. Like Florida State is actually this good now. Florida State's top 25 in explosive plays on offense, and Florida is outside the top 90 in allowing them. Uh, and, and, you know, Florida just allows way too many long rushing plays. It's been a problem for them all year. And Trey Benson, the Seminoles running back, has just been lighting teams up 4.8 yards after contact. He's created 69 missed tackles on the season. And if you go out to PFF, the highest elusive rating of all skill position players that have at least 100 rushing attempts, Trey Benson. That's how good Florida State is right now. I mean, he's better than Day-Day Hunter at Liberty. He's better than Mayan Williams at Ohio State. Better than everybody. Seminoles don't allow explosives on defense through the air or on the ground. Uh, and they have a track record, they have a track record against dual threats. Garrett Schrader, Sam Hartman, Tyler Van Dyke, negative rushing yards, including sack yardage. DJ Uyunglele, just 26 yards on 14 carries. And there's a huge third down edge here that goes to the Seminoles. Florida's 127th and third down D. Florida State, sixth offensively. Florida State is going to roll. They can do it methodically. They can do it with explosiveness. Florida State, I think, is going to roll the Gators. Yeah, Florida State... The one, if I was going to try to play devil's advocate, I mean, 
Now their offense is really good. It's coming to their own. Their defense is healthy. They were dealing with some injuries earlier in the year. This is as healthy as they as they've been all year. And they can get you like with the run game. If you try to play too deep to take away uh, Johnny Wilson over the top, then they're going to beat you underneath. Or you know, if you focus too much on the power run game, Travis is going to scramble. It's like a really balanced. Like look, if you look at the balance too of their offense, like what they do on the ground through the air. Um, the only thing that would worry me is uh, this is going to be this is more of like for bowls. And like, yeah, they they beat Georgia Tech with a backup, Houston the backup, Louisiana the backup, Miami the hurt QB. So those are the last four. But any of the metrics will suggest this team is trending way up. My only concern is the ACC. Like, so I'm trying to crack like just get ahead of the game on who, which conferences are overrated and which are underrated as a whole. Um, to as a guideline for, and we'll talk about that a lot. You you always talk about that as well for bowl season. But like seeing Pitt lose at home to Georgia Tech. Then UNC losing to Georgia Tech. The inconsistencies of NC State. Now Wake's been struggling. Syracuse has just fallen off of a cliff. So I don't know. I don't know if that's what that's if that says about the teams at the top as a whole. I don't know. Just wanted to throw that out there. Is like, is the ACC really down as a whole? And will that show up in bowl season? Well, I know that you and I are picking on Mountain West, right? I don't know. I mean, usually we pick on the ACC too, but we generally know that the MAC doesn't have the recruiting to hold up in bowl games, and the Mountain West has been down this year, and the ACC has been fun to pick on too. But I, I'm not, I'm not positive that's the case this year. I, I mean, Florida State great quarterbacks, which should yeah, which should do. translate to facing great quarterbacks every week. If yeah, I think the ACC is uh, is a conference I'm looking to play on, if anything, when it gets to bowl season. Yeah, there's just, there's just some head scratching results all year. Like Miami losing the Middle Tennessee at home. Like we we've like done this study. Out. We've done this study before that the ACC out of all the Power Five conferences has the most blowouts. It has the least amount of underdogs covering and not winning, which means there's blowouts both sides. Underdogs blowout, favorites blowout. Like the the spread is never close. Like yeah. we did that study a couple of years ago at Action and Bet Labs, and it's like the ACC is wild because scores are like a team will win by thirty, and then the next week they'll lose by thirty, and the points spread never mattered, no matter if you're a dog or a favorite. And maybe that's just never changed with the ACC. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our favorite moneyline underdog. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the moneyline parlay. Uh, again, I'll keep it easy. I already mentioned mine. I'm going to go Washington State on the Palouse. Let's go Cougs. Uh, I think that this is by far the best defense that Washington will have faced all year. Just like any team that's facing Washington, they'll be Washington State will be able to move it against their bad defense. Give me the home team here. Give me the best defense Washington has faced. If you look at teams that Washington has faced all year, not only is it one of the easiest schedules of opposing defenses in the country, a lot of those defenses are even worse when you consider that their secondaries are way worse than their rush defenses looking at you, Oregon, Michigan State, and that's all Washington does. So they're even worse than their num- their raw numbers are stating. Uh, I think it's going to be Washington State here gets to 28-30-31, and that's going to be enough. The only two top 50, 60-ish defenses that Washington has faced, they've been held to 21 and 24 against Cal. And Oregon State, Washington State gets it done. Where are you going? 
I'm going to stay with another rivalry game in the Pac-12, but you can't tell UCLA that this is a rivalry game because they're coming off a game against USC, heartbreaking loss. Now they have to face Cal, which is this is their absolute biggest rivalry. And UCLA is going to struggle because they just lost a game that they needed to make the Pac-12 championship to possibly have a spot in the Rose Bowl. So they're on hangover mode here. And, and you know, Dorian Thompson-Robinson had three interceptions and a fumble. He was USC's best defense, and now he has to try to pick it up and beat this Cal team that's been stingy in certain spots on their schedule. UCLA's defense was horrendous. USC punted just one time. They had four consecutive touchdown drives in the second half, and UCLA has been known to lose these, have losses and flurries. Now, what I mean by that is they just don't lose one game, pick themselves up in the Chip Kelly DTR era. It just hasn't been that way. In 2021, they lost to number 10 Oregon, they follow that up with a 20-point loss to Utah the next week. In the pandemic season, they lost number 15 USC. They lost in double overtime to Stanford the following week. And then finally in 2019, just completely UCLA just fell apart. They lost to number seven Utah, 23 USC. Then they lost to Cal, this Cal team, 28 to 18, in this very spot. And if you look at Cal, I mean, they lost on the road by six points to USC. They can hang here. They can hang. And they closed a 20-point gap in the second half. I think they could do that here if you say gets the lead. But this is Cal's season-ending bowl game. They only have four wins. They can't make it to a bowl. And UCLA's defense is 116th in success rate, 117th in havoc, near dead last in standard downs defense. This Cal D thrives on eliminating explosives, especially against the rush. They're fourth in the nation in defensive rush expected points. That's the main ingredient that you have to have to beat UCLA. And Cal's going to do it here. Yeah, it's it's gonna be tough to tough for UCLA to uh, come out here. And a lot of times when I say like the energy for a spot, like they're their kids once they get out there and play, like you could be lethargic for a while, but then you pick it up. It's mainly the prep, like the focus, the energy during the week, and it's uh, it's really tough spot for UCLA. Uh, and then finally on third down, final order of business of the regular season, favorite bet of week 13 uh, i'm gonna go with missouri it's the spot i think that they get it done hopefully by two hopefully arkansas win by two for your win total uh in triple overtime we'll get an exciting game and everyone cashes but uh i love the spot here i love some aspects of, of the matchup i love that there's a new play caller i think you're going to see missouri pull out all the stops needing this game for bowl eligibility meanwhile arkansas coming up really two emotional games i mean that LSU game, they put everything out on the field. And then last week, I mean, KJ wanted that bad and just uh, just a dominant effort or emotional game. Meanwhile, Missouri pretty much had a bye over to Mexico State. So I think the spot screams Missouri. Where you go? I'm going to take Air Force against my beloved San Diego State Aztecs. Wow. Air Force has limited dual threat quarterbacks throughout the season. When you go back and look at that Boise State game, quarterback Taylor Green, he was limited to 16 yards on five carries. That's what you're going to have to have when you're going to go up against the my favorite quarterback in all of FBS, which is Jalen Maiden. So, uh, you know, Air Force has given up 100 rushing yards in just one time in the past five games. They have been extremely good against the rush. And running is SDSU's primary method to move the ball. Now, San Diego State's coming off a stretch of cupcakes. And listen, it's been fun riding this Jalen Maiden uh, train ever since he's become the starter. But Nevada, UNLV, San Jose State, who's been lifeless in the New Mexico, I'm, it's been fun. But that is not, you know, a killer schedule that we can bank anything on to say that San Diego State 
is a good football team now. And San Diego State is improved, and I love them, but the number should be four. It shouldn't be one and a half. Uh, so I'm going to go with Air Force here. I, there's just too much defense, too much ground game. San Diego State doesn't see the triple enough. Uh, and, and, you know, Jalen Maiden is not going to be able to scramble around against this Air Force defense. Uh, Ten seconds or less, the last time in the regular season this year, San Diego State over or under? Over, always, forever. Yeah, it's vertical. And explosive, horizontal, electric, electric, vertical, and electric. By the way, Jeff Heklinski was fired. So, <laughs> would he? Yeah. And the reason why I got so confused on that last week is because he got fired the week that he lined Braxton Burmeister up in the slot. Anyways, under new management, in San Diego State has, and listen, that plays into the Air Force play too. Like the defense, for some reason, is no longer defending anybody. They they are a pure. Yeah, their defense has fallen off a cliff. Uh, I mean, they lost some talent, but usually they're able to reload a little better all right that'll do it for us thanks as always to colin for joining me thanks of course to all of you for tuning in thanks to our audio and video teams on the back end and i wish you all happy thanksgiving we're thankful for all of you many more opportunities and many more podcasts not only in future years but in december bowls are coming my favorite time of the year our favorite time of the year uh i can't wait to dive into those and the cultural playoff of course the national championship but we always have a lot of uh, fun on the Bowl podcast, so stay tuned for them. Of course, we'll be back on Saturday, this weekend, Saturday morning, 10.30 a.m. Eastern, Big Bets on Campus Live. Talk some more about the games. 959, Bad Beat. Tell us how you feel. Yeah, I think it's uh, next week will be probably the last normal recording schedule of the year. So we'll have uh, a recap episode, and then we'll have our conference title previews. And then after that, it'll be, you know, we'll, we'll figure out the best schedule for to get a bunch of bowl previews out there. But we'll, we'll have a nice week off for Army-Navy week. Make sure you stay tuned for all that and uh, leave a review. Subscribe, unsubscribe. Tell a friend, tell an enemy. Five-star reviews really help us out. Thankful for all of you. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the holiday. Enjoy the games. And we will catch you all later. Cheers. Peace out. Peace out.